Jai Jai Sitchetana Jai Nityananda Jai Adwaita Chandra Jai Gaura Bhakta Vinda Hare Krishna So, the movement of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was, uh, was happening at a time when Bengal was, and, and not only Bengal, but India was occupied by, by Islam. And Islam had, uh, had a significant presence and, and there, was, uh, there was tension. We find in the, uh, in the Chaitanya Bhagavat, the descriptions when, uh, when Srivas would be performing kirtans in his house, that the neighbors were disturbed by that noise and complaining. And some were saying that, uh, what will happen? The Muslims will become upset with all this loud chanting and they will come and destroy our whole village. And, uh, and in fact, at one point they said they had, they themselves therefore to protect themselves would complain to the Muslim authorities. And they said they had uh, complained and the Nawab said he would send a boat to arrest Srivas. Um, there are other descriptions, uh, descriptions of unsafe area, areas where uh, particularly for ferocious Muslim rulers were uh, endangering any traveler and one could easily be killed. Um, India had become uh, broken up in, in many states and many of these states were um, ruled by smaller Muslim kings and governors who were operating under the protection of, uh, of more powerful, powerful kings. Some Hindu kings also uh, continued to hold their ground at the time that Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was present. If we look at the history of, uh, of Islam, uh, uh, I'm happy to have a book here at hand, the Oxford History of Islam. Uh, if we look at it, then uh, then it points out to us that uh, the 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 prophet Muhammad was born about uh, five hundred and seventy CE. Uh, and uh, I think he lived till 632. I don't see it here. Yes. Yes. And he began publicly preaching in about 
613 till 632. So it's the history uh, of Islam being that uh, Muhammad went uh, was was based in Mecca. He had uh, a wealthy uncle who was supporting him, and therefore, because he was from an influential family, they did not uh, they did not really uh, stop him when he started his preaching. But after his uncle died, it became problematic, and uh, then. Muhammad went to Medina. In Medina, he convinced the king, and the king got behind him, and eventually he got uh, an army, and he started to, uh, and eventually conquered Mecca. They would attack the caravans from Mecca, and uh, anyhow, by the... uh, 7th century, um, Islam was coming east. Uh, of course, Islam went in all direction, went to into Europe and uh, into, into uh, first it spread in the Middle East and then uh, by the seventh century, it first came into. Uh, okay. By the seventh century, it, it first came into. Uh, God, it's very noisy. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll start again. By the seventh century, it first came into Afghanistan and. Uh, And it took time to thoroughly establish itself and took about, but in about 150 years, it had become the new predominant culture. By the uh, 9th century, it reached Pakistan and uh, and eventually into, uh, into India. Uh, where it thoroughly became uh, established as uh, as a ruling class around the uh, in the twelfth century, so like that we are seeing the um, um, Islam is spreading, and we see Islam was spreading in all directions. And uh, when Islam came into India, it was not just a Uh, it was not just uh, the military uh, strength. Um, It was more than that. It was also a cultural uh, cultural matter. So what had happened was this, is that um, Persia, right? Persia, now Iran, Persia was a very cultural place, traditionally. And when Islam came into into Persia, it uh, it was there that Islam developed its its more cultural feature. Um, 
so what what was the combination was Turkish soldiers and uh, and Persian scholars Persian uh, and also Sufis who were more devotional and who uh, so in this way um, the is the 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 settlement of Islam into India became not only something um, that was established by um, by force. In uh, in twelve hundred and four, Muhammad Bakhtiar he had a uh, a group of men who disguised themselves as horse salesmen. And they came into the, the city of, uh, of Laxman Sain, the ruler of Bengal. And they managed to enter into the royal palace uh, to bring the horses. And then suddenly they, uh, they attacked. So the king was just taking lunch and the king, uh, he was, taken by surprise and was not ready to immediately face them. So the king had to escape through an underground tunnel. And, and from that time on, uh, they managed to grab Lagnoti, the capital of the king. And uh, the king himself, he had to go, Lagnoti is... Uh, is later became Goda, the, the capital of the, uh, of the Muslim government. And uh, the kings, the Sena king, he had to hide and was doing guerrilla fighting, uh, but he did not regain his kingdom. Uh, and, uh, okay, so... In the beginning, they did not have, they did not have um, all of Bengal. They had simply that area where there was Goda. Goda is in the Malda district, it's on the northern side of Bengal. And of course, there is also Ramakeli, Rupa Sanatan's place, because they were also engaged in the Muslim government there. Uh, a few centuries later. It is said that from 1204, uh, Bakhtiar, Muhammad Bakhtiar, was not only uh, coming with a military force. Uh, he was not, but he was also bringing in a cultural element. So he immediately began to construct facilities for Sufis to reside in Bengal and to practice their culture there. So in that way, the, uh, uh, the, there, there was a uh, devotional, spiritual uh, group of people uh, who were actually uh, actively preaching. And, uh, and they also, uh, brought a number of, uh, of, of scholars just to make sure that, 
that the proper uh, the proper standards of following the uh, Quran would be uh, would be would be implemented. Mm. Quran, Sharia law, and Hadith, and all these things. So, uh, mm -hmm. like we see that when uh, a few hundred years later, when the Nawab Hussein Shah is ruling, at that time Rupa and Sanatan are are there at the royal court, and we can see that that, that Sanatan Goswami was very learned, uh, and he was learned. Uh, not only in, uh, in, in Vedic scriptures, in, in Sanskrit and so on, but also in Persian, yeah? Persian and Arab, both. So that was, uh, was the situation that the court, the court language was, was Persian. Uh, there was a very, um, so the entire Muslim invasion says the uh, uh, says the uh, Oxford history uh, had a Persianate a Persianate flavor um, and uh, so there was all kinds of culture architecture uh, they it said that even al Buruni, who was a very famous, uh, famous scientist and, and, and writer and thinker in, uh, from the Muslim era, who made it very, very famous. He, uh, even he was, uh, uh, he came to India also along with the, uh, and of course, we're seeing that uh, that Akbar, who just uh, ruled from after the departure of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, but that Akbar uh, was still on the planet when uh, uh, he was active, and uh, that when, when Rupin Sanatan was still present, and that Akbar was active when Jiva Goswami was present and supposedly met Jiva Goswami. And Akbar was definitely a very enlightened personality. <clears throat> Generally, the, uh, the Nawab Hussein Shah, who, who ruled in Bengal during the time of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, um, generally speaking, the Nawab Hussein Shah uh, who, who ruled for uh, for decades uh, is uh, comes across from the Chaitanya Charitamrita as as a somewhat violent person, um, uh, at least fearsome. When it is said, when Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to uh, Ramakali for the first time in the Chaitanya Charitamrita. When Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to Ramakali for the first time, then uh, there was uh, a Brahmana uh, who was also working for the government as, as a minister, and a case of uh, uh, who could be Ksatri, but I have to look that up. Uh, anyway, this Brahmana, 
he was uh, he was advising advising the nawab the nawab said i what it, who is this this chaitanya mahaprabhu i heard that he is coming into the country and that he has many men following him and case of Keshava, the minister said that now that's all exaggerated, Your Majesty. Actually, it is, it's not as big as they say. It's just a, a small group of, of people, and he is some sort of sentimentalist, but not really such a prominent person. But the Nawab had also other information from his spies, and he said, No. He could see that the minister was trying to protect him. And he said that, uh, so he asked Rupa and Sanatan Goswamis, and, uh, and they said, Dabhika uh, Sakamalik, and they said that, uh, yes, that when he asked, who, who is this Chaitanya Mahaprabhu? And then they said that you are the Nawab. You are the king. You know. You are the representative of the Supreme Lord. You will know the answer from within your heart. So then the Nawab said that, he said that, like, well, uh, I'm seeing that many men are following him. And these men are very dedicated. And he's not paying them. He said that, uh, well, the king had experience. He said, when I'm not paying, when I'm not paying my, my soldiers, they will leave me. Huh? They will leave me. So he's not an ordinary person. I think that he is the supreme personality of Godhead. Then... Um, and the Nawab did not disturb Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Still later, Rupa Sanatan uh, uh, sort of, once they took shelter of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, they also uh, discouraged him from traveling with so many men and, uh, and saying, if one goes to Vrindavan, one should not go with many men. Hmm. Anyhow, so in this way, um, he was, uh, but the Nawab was, was, was a potential threat that we see. It was a potential threat. Uh, and so there was fear from the Nawab. Um, historians say that uh, the Nawab Hussein Shah, who was actually more than a Nawab, but he was a sultan, and that the Nawab Hussein Shah was a, uh, was more peaceful than, uh, than his predecessors. Hmm. The Nawab Hussein Shah was also, so, uh, so besides ruling with military force, with Turkish and Pathan soldiers, they also, they also was, um, since a few hundred years, a whole spiritual culture. Uh, of Sufis in India. And it took 
from Bhaktiar, who came in 1204, it took about 250 years for the uh, um, for Islam to become really established in uh, in Bengal. So, in that way, the uh, um, the culture of Islam had uh, had then thoroughly spread over 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 Bengal. So that's like 14, uh, 14, 1454, 1450. So 30 years before the appearance of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Um, at that time, of course, Advaita Acharya, he was in his 20s. Um, it is said that Advaita Acharya's grandfather had been the minister of a of a Hindu uh, king on the eastern side of Bengal. And, uh, but that he had an, a property in Shantipur, uh, which later came to Advaita Acharya. Therefore, Advaita Acharya is described as uh, had two properties in Shantipur. He had his own house, and then on the outside of Shantipur, a second property, the property of his grandfather. And, uh, of course, Advaita Acharya was from an aristocratic Varendra Brahmin family, but not only that, it was also a wealthy family, um, because uh, an, an aristocratic in the sense that there's like a, a minister in the family, so they were... Uh, mm -hmm. But that also shows us that there was... Uh, um, yeah, that, uh, that there were still Hindu kingdoms. Um, I'm online at the moment, until 2 o'clock. Okay. Um, Hare Krishna. So, uh, let me see. Um, then we get in this, uh, then we get Haridas Thakur. Um, and Haridas Thakur is, of course, our, uh, yeah, is, is the most important Muslim in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's movement. Uh, there are other movement, other Muslims in the movement, uh, such as the Patan soldiers and... Uh, We'll talk about them later, but Haridas Thakur is the uh, is the most prominent personality. <coughs> Haridas Thakur is supposed to have appeared in Budana, which is in the uh, Jessore district uh, of Bangladesh. It's just it's close to the uh, to the Indian border. Um, which is now the Padma River, a branch of the Ganga. And uh, yes, the uh, Haridas, he uh, appeared in a, in a Muslim family, but we don't know uh, any real information about that family. There are some, some stories about that, but we cannot accept that as reliable. 
Uh, some say he was born in a Hindu family, but became an orphan and then grew up under Muslim care. Others say he was the head, the daughter of a Muslim, of a, or the son of a major Muslim uh, uh, leader. But all these things are just uh, very speculative and uh, not accepted. Um, so not only is is it that nowadays stories are being made up, uh, but it's also that uh, there's a whole history of stories being made up. So not just because a book is old uh, that it is true. Therefore, uh, we have to be careful. Some interesting old book gives us some extra insights. Uh, we have to see if, if, if authorities are accepting that. Right? And sometimes historians expose things uh, because some people were writing books trying to make themselves make their own community or their own place more important and get, uh, get, uh, get benefit from that, yes, economically and, and so on. Bengal history is full of such, uh, such things. So therefore, whatever information comes out is, must, either, must be verified. And, uh, our Srila Bhakti Siddhanta has been very vocal about many, many things. Therefore, we, of course, are, are uh, standing by his, uh, his statements. So Haridas, we don't know much about Haridas's early life. Haridas appears in Bainapal, which is on the border of, uh, of, of, of India and Bangladesh. And, uh, as a youth, and yesterday we spoke uh, about his, uh, his being there and the prostitute who came and so on. Siddha Bhaktivedanta Thakur, he writes in the Navadvita Mahatmya that uh, Haridas, um, Haridas has been identified in Gora Ganadesh Deepika as... Uh, as uh, of Kavikarnapur, he has been identified as Lord Brahma and also uh, as, as an incarnation of Palat. Now, um, then Bhaktivinoda Thakur tells the following story. He says, because Lord Brahma took away the calves and cowherd boys for taking away the calves the reaction was that in his next life, he had to come back as a Yavana. So in this, this would be a reason why Hari does would it come back as a Muslim, Lord Brahma as a Muslim. And yeah, in the Chaitanya Charita Mahakavya from Urari Gupta, there's another reference where it says that he was as the son of a Brahmin, devotee, he was assisting in worship. He was giving tulsi for worship, but he didn't wash it. And so it had been offered to the Lord unwashed. So then the Brahmin became very upset and told him, 
what is this? You know, you, you'll, in your next life, you'll be a malecha, you know. So in this way, um, he did become a malecha. So the, um, whatever may be, I like the first story more about the, uh, the uh, stealing of the cows. Oh, and we see the importance, all glories to the cows. How important are the cows? Uh, and of course, yes, all glories to Lord Brahma. How great is Lord Brahma? And all glories to Haridas Thakur. Um, so, of course, these, these things of whether it was a tulsi leaf or whether it was the calves that he stole, that's just an external reason for fulfilling the plan of the Lord. The Lord desired that a very great personality now would come and would become Haridas Thakur. And amazingly enough, a Muslim, a Muslim who is chanting, chanting the, uh, the holy name constantly, and not only just chanting it, like, but chanting it with so much uh, dedication and force and non-stop and just um, showing a uh, a level of renunciation that was just inconceivable and, uh, and, and just only chanting. So everyone, everyone could recognize that he was really a saintly personality. Um, Sometimes there were some envious personalities, uh, this Ramachandra Khan who sent a prostitute, uh, one, one Brahmana, who, who Chaitanya Bhagavat tells about a Brahmana who criticized, uh, who criticized Haridas, and, uh, and uh, when Haridas was explaining the glories of the Holy Name, and that he said that he would cut his nose, and that he would, uh, and that due to smallpox, his nose uh, became very affected, serious case, and he lost his nose as a reaction. Um, Chaitanya Charitamrita tells another story, which also includes the nose of uh, Gopal, uh, maybe Chakravarti, I think so who was the tax collector of uh, Hiranya and Govardhan Majundar, the father and uncle of Raghunathas Goswami. And uh, Gopal, he, uh, there was a whole discussion going on. Many personalities were speaking about the holy name, and then Haridas was there, and then he spoke about the holy name, and he compared it to the sun and the rising of the sun. And he's saying, just as in the morning, the sun rises, then before the disk of the sun is actually above the horizon, there's already light in the sky. And immediately the fear of, uh, of, of the night of ghosts and thieves is gone. Um, and then later when the sun fully rises, then the full power of the sun is present. He said in the same way with the holy name, just when there's only Nam Abbas, the dim reflection of the holy name, then already the influence of, uh, of, uh, of, of suffering and, 
and the influence of birth and death, that is already removed. So all the reactions of karma and the reactions of birth and death can, can already be attained by namabhas. But then, uh, then by the uh, by the influence of the uh, uh, when when the, when the full name becomes manifest, then there is prem. Uh, previous to Haridas, some 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 had said how amazing that the holy name can give liberation. This that, and Haridas just said no. That that is a, is a side effect. That's a secondary thing. So one, that Brahmana Gopal Chakravarti, who had been really, uh, uh, was learned in scripture, going like, now look at this, look at this. This Muslim is, is minimizing Mukti. Who is he to speak? And uh, in that way, he became very uh, uh, blasphemous. And he also said, that if you don't, if you cannot prove your statements, so that I will cut your nose. Uh, Haridas, he, uh, he, uh, he took it very humble, but also supported his statements. And then the, uh, but the Brahmana, later he got leprosy and his beautiful nose rotted away for the offense. So there's some similarity between the stories, but a little different. Don't know if it's the same story that comes back in a, in a different shape and form, um, but that doesn't matter anyway. Haridas is uh, was an extraordinary personality. Now, yesterday I was discussing matters of initiation, and uh, one of the things we could not find is the spiritual master for. Uh, for Haridas Thakur. Now, that is quite... Uh, and, and yes, uh, he apparently had a connection with... Uh, with... Uh, oh, yeah. One second. He had a connection uh, with Advaita Acharya. Uh, but... And some try to make that into a, a Siksha connection. Uh, he definitely uh, was appreciating the association of Advaita Acharya, whether it was a vertical relationship mm, mm, of, of, uh, of Siksha Guru even. There's nothing that, uh, that proves that. Mm. Mm. It might well have just been friendship. And uh, there's just no connection of any diksha relationship. We don't see a guru. And maybe he just, maybe he didn't have a guru. Mm. Of course, you know, uh, he is Lord Brahma. He's not an ordinary person. And, uh, and he was chanting. And maybe just the chanting of the holy name is what brought full perfection. Because 
in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, Madhya Lila, chapter 15, text 108, it is stated that the chanting of Hare Krishna doesn't depend on anything and it doesn't depend on initiation. Just by chanting alone, one can attain full perfection. Hmm. So maybe Aridas is the uh, embodiment of that statement in the Chaitanya Charitamrita. Um, uh, such obscurities <coughs> remain uh, in his life. His early life is very, very, uh, it's just unknown. And we just don't know. He suddenly emerges like that great devotee who's chanting all these, all these names. And, uh, but by the name itself, all perfection can be uh, attained. It doesn't depend on initiation. And uh, yeah, we can, but we see that through the name, uh, so many conclusions manifest within the heart. Uh, there is that point where Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is expressing that he is concerned. He's concerned that still there are many jivas who are not able to chant and that these jivas who are not chanting, that they are missing out. And then Haridas, Haridas, he, he says, my Lord, please don't be in anxiety. Uh, actually, he said that when the Vaishnavas are chanting, there's an echo, an echo from the trees. And that's the chanting of the trees. And all the living beings that hear the chanting, uh, they're also being blessed. So this point of the loud chanting, uh, that is the, the story in the Chaitanya Bhagavat. Uh, when I spoke about the nose, in the Chaitanya Bhagavat, the story is that Brahma was objecting. Why are you chanting so loud? It says in the scriptures you chant in your mind. But Haridas was also saying, no, it also says once you chant loud. Uh, because by chanting loud, we're benedicting um, all the living beings. Yes. So in this way, Haridas was, uh, was chanting his holy names. And uh, but there was opposition came from the Muslims themselves because after all, he was brought, the Qazi was upset, he was brought before the Nawab. So the Nawab, we see again between the two, we see that the Nawab is not, uh, is the least aggressive. The Qazi is, is more aggressive. The Qazi as being responsible for a district and the uh, um, in the Nawab being in, start, in charge of the whole uh, the whole state mm -hmm. it's a large state mm -hmm. so it was a very uh, to be like the Nawab of Bengal meant he was a very prominent uh, prominent ruler amongst, uh, it was like a prime position, you know, like 
of Muslim rulers. <coughs> um, <coughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, one second. I have to find some tissue. Mm -hmm. So the, uh, in that way, the Nawab was very, was powerful. And the Nawab was initially more, more peaceful. Um, the Nawab said, well, my dear, you know, whatever name he addressed him with, he probably didn't say Hari does. He said, but like, you are from a very good, you're from a Muslim birth. And how, how come? You are giving up your good birth to take to these degraded activities of the Hindus. We don't mind. We don't mind that you are religious. But, but just follow your own scriptures. And Haridas is just saying that uh, he, could not, uh, he could not give up the chanting of the holy name. Well, he said, "For nothing would he would he give that up." Mm. Let me just see. Mm -hmm. One minute. I just have to. Uh, See if I can find my um, my verse. Hmm. No, this is not the one. This is another one. Okay, now I wanted to say the Bengali, but I have to look. I, I didn't memorize, so I have to look, and we'll edit in later. Um, so, transcribers, where Haridas at one point says that to the to the Nawab, uh, the Kazi is saying uh, is 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 there and strongly saying, "Oh, we cannot tolerate this. There is only one punishment." Um, and Haridas says, I cannot stop chanting. You can do whatever you like. Uh, even if you cut my body into pieces, I cannot stop chanting the holy name. So in this way, Haridas is extremely determined. And as a, as a result, sorry, my voice is really bad. As a result, Haridas is... Uh, um, carries on, and then the Kazi is saying he should be he should be beaten, and then the Nawab supports that, you know, and that he is uh, to be beaten severely in twenty-two marketplaces, which just basically means beat him to death. Um, 
and whip him or cane him. And so it came to pass, and we remember the description that Haridas, while be, be, being beaten in the marketplace, is praying, praying to, uh, to, the, uh, to, to, to the Lord and saying, oh, my Lord, you know, please forgive them. Later we hear during the Mahaprakash Leela, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, when, when this beating was going on, I was on the way with my Sudarshan and Chakra ready to kill these atheists. Said, and then, <clears throat> and then you prayed, and then you prayed. So, as, as then, and then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, then what could I do? What could I do? You prayed, oh my Lord, please forgive them. Please don't, uh, uh, don't let there be any reaction for them. What do I do now? So then he placed his own back over the back of Haridas, and it was Chaitanya Mahaprabhu who took the beatings on the back and he showed his back and there were many beating marks. Mm. Of course, Mahaprabhu is transcendental. And therefore, he can show a back with beating marks, but he can. But he also has a back without beating marks, and that's the one we usually see. So he could absorb it, but at the same time, uh, in personal calamity, thou is most absolute, is sentient, thou is proved. He's also uh, he also has feelings. It's not that. So the Lord did endure it for Haridas' sake. That was too much for Haridas. Anyway, Haridas is beaten in these 22 marketplaces, and in the end, the sentries, the soldiers, were getting very worried. Is the Nagop will will punish us? Huh? And he will, we will be killed for not properly executing the order. And so it was a kind of aggressive culture. Um, and then the, the, the uh, so then Harya said, oh, you want me to die? Oh, why didn't you say that? Then Haridas went, fell on the ground. He'd gone into a deep, deep uh, trance. So they brought the body before the Nalp. Okay, let's die. So then I said, all right. And I said, all right. So bury him. And the Kazi said, no, 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 no. He should not be buried. Because he, he gave up the religion of his birth. No, he cannot be buried in the sacred ground. Throw his body in the river. So they threw his body in the river. And then in the river, he floated along and in the Ganga. And then... He regained his consciousness and then came out of the Ganga and resumed his, uh, his chanting. And later, he walked just through the town chanting. And when the Muslims saw that he was just there chanting, and then, you know, the Nawab could understand he's a peer and begged forgiveness and... Uh, and gave orders, no one, no one can touch him. He can do whatever he wants. Um, so, also in the, in the Muslim culture, um, 
there were there were saints, there were peers. Saints were very much part of the fabric. You see descriptions of sometimes saints became very prominent, sometimes even so prominent that the rulers didn't like it and would decapitate them um, just to minimize their influence. Mm. Um, anyhow, Islam We see how Islam is spreading, how and gradually the entire Vedic kingdom, which is described in the Mahabharat, the greater Bharat, uh, where, where uh, Afghanistan was known as Gandhara. Uh, so that whole area was known as Gandhara. Now, of course, there's still a town called Kandahar, and Kandahar is the uh, is uh, formerly the whole country was Gandhar, hmm. Gandhar, and Gandhari was from there, and it was part of uh, of of Bharat, and so and and uh, Malaysia sandalwood would come from Malaysia and uh, and those were the Malaya hills uh, which were also part of the Vedic culture mm. even the island Java um, there still are records when the uh, when the when the first uh, the first Hindu prince converted to uh, to Islam. So in this way, we see a whole wave of Islam just uh, going over Southeast Asia. And, uh, and we're seeing that uh, there was a culture, there were schools, uh, also there was the tax, um, because in, it says that According to the Quran, there are the people who are ahile kitab. The people who are ahile kitab are the people from the book, right? And that is the Jews and the Christians who are mentioned in the Quran. And according to the Quran, they have the right. Uh, they have the right. Uh, Sorry, heal it up. Okay. Sometimes they have the right. Uh, someone sent a message up there, um, distracting me. The heal it up. Uh, is the problem with this screaming, you get messages on your screen all the time. Heal um, it up. The people from the book are the Jews and the Christians. So the Jews are considered, and Christians, uh, they had a right to practice their religion if they would accept the caliphate. After, the, after Muhammad, the, his successors were the caliphs, 
and their objection was to establish the caliphate, the rule of the caliphs all over the world. So anybody who was under the uh, caliphs, yes, if they were Jews or Christians, they could they could practice their religion if they were accepting the Muslim rulers and they had to pay tax. And this tax was called Jishna. And uh, so later on, they extended that to the Hindus as well and for practical purposes. So they had to pay the tax. So all the Hindus had to pay the tax. Mm. And uh, and as a result, uh, as a result, the uh, everything was uh, was fine. Yes. Um, no, see, again, this, this message, someone says, sometimes I don't wash too. I washed my hands before, if you want to know. <laughs> so when I took the fisherman's friend, my hands were clean. Yes. So please don't put such distracting messages out there. Uh, all right. So we're going back to the... Uh, to this, um, the people who uh, had to pay this tax, so the Hindus also had to pay the tax. So many didn't want to pay the tax and became Muslims. We also see in the Chaitanya chart and Rita just throwing water uh, from one's water pot on on a Hindu would be enough for that Hindu to make him ostracized from the Brahmin community and then virtually had become a, a Muslim. Uh, we see it happened to Budimanta Khan. Uh, it happened, who wondered what to do about it. It happened uh, uh, the, the, when, when there was uh, Kirtan in the house of Srivas and there were complaints and the Kazi broke the Murdanga. Then, he threatened that if there was more kirtan, that he would convert them, and so on. So this was uh, was going on. Uh, this was definitely uh, something that was was there. Um, we, we can only say uh, that uh, it was a culture, a forceful culture. And it was uh, not easy to uh, to coexist in the uh, in uh, for the yeah for, for the for the movement of Lord Chaitanya. Now I have a, a book here, uh, and this book is Uh-huh. Let just see. I am um, 
It is a book from uh, Joseph T. O'Connell called Chaitanya Vaishnavism in Bengal, Social Impact and Historical Implications. So he has a chapter here called Vaishnav Perceptions of Muslims. I'll read a little bit from the from the beginning of the of the page. It is page one ninety-seven. Uh, first paragraph. Ideally, ideally, historical understanding of the relations between Hindus and Muslims in India should include knowledge of how Hindus and Muslims perceived and felt about each other at different times in the various regions of the subcontinent. The scholar wishing to examine such mutual perceptions and feelings is faced, however, with a troublesome imbalance between Muslim and Hindu sources. From Muslim authors, there are numerous references to Hindus and other non-Muslim contemporaries to be found in a large corpus of chronicles by Muslim writers in India. There are also a number of translations of literary and religious works from Sanskrit into Persian by Muslims, as well as several systematic inquiries into the religious belief and practice of Hindus, among these being the works of Al-Biruni and Abu Al-Fazl. Um, there is, however, relatively little of comparable material written by Hindu authors about their Muslim contemporaries. The reason for this imbalance, presumably, are a complex of political, economic, and cultural factors, the spelling out of which could be of interest. The objective of this chapter, however, is more limited. To examine in detail one notable exception to the general tendency of Hindu writers during the uh, period of Muslim domination to pass over in silence their Muslim contemporaries, the second biograph and hiographical corpus of Chaitanya Vaishnava. In this chapter, we have recourse to eight extant sacred biographical accounts of Chaitanya to examine all reference to Muslims therein, also included as brief summaries of how Muslims are depicted in several later hagiographical texts of the Chaitanya Vaishnavas. Okay, so... Uh, I'll just, uh, may not go to all eight, uh, but we'll definitely look at Murari Gupta's uh, Kadacha. Um, the early uh, biography of Chaitanya's belief to be a Krishna Chaitanya Charitamrita uh, written in Sanskrit by the Vaidya Murari Gupta, a childhood friend and due course and intimate devotee of Chaitanya. Uh, the text was probably composed in the 1530s, shortly before, just after the subject's death. Murari Gupta mentions Malachas four times and Yavanas twice. He writes that prior to his descent as Chaitanya, Lord Krishna beheld the earth suffering like a cow at the hands of, of, of Malachas, and saw that among those ruling as kings were Yavanas and Malachas, who delighted in evil as they oppressed their subjects. 1, 2, 25, 28. Less credible, but still unflattering, is the explanation he gives for why the great devotee Haridas was born in a Yavana family. Uh, we've discussed this. Uh, Uh, the master 
uh, Chaitanya, who is himself Hari, God of the world, saved Malachas and others by singing the praises of Hari from town to town. Thus we find in the earliest of the biographies, Chaitanya is juxtaposition of a lingering anxiety over the stereotypical oppressive Yavana Malachya. And, uh, but, okay, so, and that the, that these these Malachas could, could, however, also get the mercy you know, of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And, and then, uh, and Haridas, of course, is, is such a great, great saint. Kavi Karnapur, in his Chaitanya Charitamrita Mahakavya. The second extent, biography of Chaitanya, also is written in Sanskrit, it's a lengthy formal poem, and the Krishna Chaitanya Charitamrita Mahakavya, composed by another Vajra devotee, Paramananda Sain, better known as Kavi Karnapu in 1542. This lengthy poetic work makes no explicit reference to Islam or the Muslims. Even when referring to Haridas, the famed conferred Sain, the writer does not discuss his Muslim parents or upbringing, a fact presumably known to most of his likely readers in Western Bengal, but not necessary to Sanskrit readers elsewhere. Later works by this same author do contain a few references to Muslims. Then Vrindavan does Chaitanya Bhagavat. Uh-huh. Okay, I'll jump a little bit. In this text, the author writes Yavana some 50 times, but Malachya not once. Why so chose? I can only speculate. One suggestion is that it is linked with the somewhat radical, even reckless attitude of Nichananda and his disciples in the matters of social propriety. This included a readiness to risk ritual pollution or social cultural embarrassment in the course of propagating bhakti. Mm. Indeed, Nichananda himself and his followers were the butt of criticism from consorting with impure malachas which might not only include, include Muslims, but also others to be ritually, to be deemed ritually polluting. Vindavandas hmm. may well have thought it wrong to stigmatize anyone for alleged lack of refinement or ritual purity, whether it be the Yavanas, low-caste Hindus, or those like his own guru, Nichananda, who would associate with them. Hmm. Okay. Vindavandas mentioned several officers in the Muslim-dominated administration. Uh, Kotelal, Koteyal, Kutwal, policemen, Deyoyan, Diwan, financial officer, Sigda, Shikda, revolutionary, Ujira, Wazir, minister, Muluka, Muluka Pati, and Muluka Adipati, uh, district governor. This is from uh, page 204, and I'll send this uh, to the transcribers because it will be too much. And nearly 60 times, Kaji, Kazi, judge, official, responsible for enforcement of Islamic social ritual regulations. He invariably, sometimes 30 times, designates Sultan Hussein Shah by such Sanskritic terms as Raja, King, never by a Persian or Arabic term, even though <clears throat> there are several episodes in which one of the other, another of these officials, usually a Kazi, is depicted as being oppressive to Vaishnavas, there's, there's no suggestion 
that the whole system itself or, or its king is fundamentally unsatis unsatisfactory or illegitimate. Mm. The, uh, the order shows some acquaintance with the religious belief and terminology of Muslims, but not in any great detail. He writes of Quran and Kalma, Kalima, formula of witness, and refers to the Yavanas, scriptures, Sastra, several times. He observes that Yavanas speak of Kodaya, God, using the Persian word Kuda, rather than the Arabic Allah and believes burial to be necessary for admission to heaven, 116.127. He reports at several points, the Yavanas respect for the peer, a Muslim holy man often believed to have superhuman powers even after death. Vrindavan does the only biographer of Chaitanya to mention the mullah, mullah, a religious teacher or efficient, especially active among poorer rural Bengal Muslims, of the better educated experts, ulama, in the legal and other learned tradition of Islam, he says nothing. The one episode in which Muslims' view of religious obligations received any extended discussion is the trial of Haridas, the man born to Muslim parents, or simply brought up by them as some content, who felt compelled to recite aloud the names of Krishna. Hmm. From the account in Chaitanya Bhagavad, it appears that apostasy from Islam was a capital offense in Bengal uh, at that time. Hmm. Okay, we discussed that, so we will not get into that. Uh, um, Likewise, references to Sultan, Sultan Hussein Shah's destructiveness in Orissa to, Brahmanas, to Brahmana fears of being forcibly polluted and to the hostility of Kazi reflected similar anxiety. In some cases, however, it is non-Vaishnavas who are pictured as fearing the reprisals and arbitrariness of the Yavanas rather than the more confident Vaishnavas themselves. Hmm. Yeah, then there's uh, there's some uh, some some biographies he's referring to that uh, that we don't really want to get into. Um, Lochanas, Chaitanya Mango. Okay. Lochanas, Chaitanya Mango. A second Chaitanya Mango. Uh, anyway, Lochanas is Chaitanya Mango. And 
The text never mentions Malachas and only once a Yavani. A female Yavana uh, among the women molested or consorted with by two sinful Brahmanas. There is a reference to a toll gatherer, Dani, who annoyed Vaishnavas on the road between Arishan and Gore, who may or may not be the same figure mentioned by another biographer as the alcoholic Muslim official in the area <coughs> who became devoted to Chaitanya. But there's no confirmation of this in the text. Uh, this residence to mention the Muslim is puzzling and frustrating because the Vajras of Srikanda, with whom Lochandas was associated through his guru Narahari Shakar, has gained much experience as officers at the Sultan's court. The brother of Lochandas guru was Mukundadas, the private physician of Hussein Shah. Possibly the silence indicates the writer's concern that he say nothing that might reflect awkwardly on his guru's family and give offense to their association at Gore. Yeah, so elsewhere in this book, um, elsewhere in this book, uh, Joseph, Joseph T. O'Connell has gotten into that about the connection that the, uh, that the uh, associates of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had with Islam. And, uh, and, and here we see then that Mukunda was the private physician uh, of, the, uh, of the court, and he is supposed to be the brother of Narahari Shakar. So that's very interesting uh, how there are actually many devotees, many devotees who were uh, somehow or other having some connection with the Nawab. And tomorrow, in part two, I will uh, discuss that a little more, these devotees. I thank you very much. I'll, I'll finish this reading because it's getting late now. I still have to discuss some of the other biographers, and then I'll discuss also the, uh, the associates of Lord Chaitanya who were there at the... Uh, Someone is typing a question that after the golden age, Islam would be the dominant religion. Is there any evidence of this? No. Not, in, uh, not from our side. It is simply that the age of Kali would, uh, would be predominant. Uh, no such statement that after the 10,000 year golden age, Islam would be predominant. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna.